The following episode contains language and descriptions of violence, which may not be suitable for young listeners. Mobley Comics Audio presents... 20,000 Leagues into Madness. Created by Brian Del Rio. Based on the works of Jules Verne and H.P. Lovecraft. Chapter 3. The Light of Diwali. Starring Brian Del Rio at Akanksha Mishra. I cling to consciousness, as though clinging to the edge of a cliff high above a black pit. The lack of air dredges up bizarre flashes of memory, the Nautilus being crushed by the octopus's tentacles. The celebratory lights of Diwali glittering on the bayonet in Jonesy's belt. My brother Nazib shoving back a servant as he rants and raves. The old net draped across the derelict rowboat. The horrific story of Lachlan Innsmouth's torture in the caves of Afghanistan. I scream as they hold me under, a plume of bubbles exploding from my mouth. I struggle, thrashing against their hold, the ring in my ears growing louder as the pressure in my chest and skull becomes unbearable. Their dark forms, distorted by the surface of the water, seem suddenly to have many arms, like the Rakshasa, one of the demons in my mother's stories. I empty the last of my breath into a scream of rage, knowing when next I draw a breath, it will fill my lungs with water. Water is death. As my vision blurs and my eyes begin to darken, I prepare to draw the last lethal breath. The soldiers drop me, and I sit bolt upright in the shallows, gasping for air. I wipe the water from my eyes, seeing Jasper and Jonesy struggle with the net thrown over their heads. The net which had mysteriously disappeared from the abandoned rowboat earlier. A hand grabs my shoulder, pulling me to my feet. Samira? Samira glares at me with jet black pupils. She is so close to me. I can smell the jasmine wafting off of the silken black hair which lies beneath the loose veil draped over her head and shoulders. My heart quickens for her. Samira, you saved me. Not yet, I haven't. You owl. Thank me when the deed is done. A cross tone reminds me of one of the grown women who inhabit the Zanana where I live with my mother. Samira Bot is my age but appears closer to a woman in height and physicality than I do a man. Mother said the years were only beginning to change us, and that very soon I would overtake Samira in height. It couldn't come soon enough. My hand is wet as Samira takes it, and I cannot help but feel electricity at her touch. The feeling is one-sided. Clearly, Samira still views me as the childhood playmate with whom she shared games of marbles in the palace courtyard. Focused, Samira hikes up the skirts of Asari, getting ready to run. We have to go, Dakar. Wait! Dakar, what are you doing? I pull away from her, dashing toward the netted soldiers. I set my jaw in determination. I'm not leaving here without it. I fall to my knees in the wet sand by the struggling soldiers. I stick my small hands between the netting, grasping for Jonesy's belt. 
The tips of my fingers graze the velvet purse, but I cannot get hold of it. Suddenly, I feel cold metal. The bayonet Jonesy had tucked into his belt. I wrap my fingers around the socket, pulling the blade toward me. It passes through the old dry rope with a snap, opening a hole above the drawstring purse. I steal back what was stolen from me, holding the purse triumphantly above my head. Got it! Ah! A hand latches onto my ankle, slimy as seaweed. Come here, you dreaded little shit! It's Jasper. Nearly free from the net, he wriggles on his belly like a fish. Ah, let go! I cry, kicking at him. I'm getting a bonus for your head. If I have to skin you and that little Jezebel alive... The wind is knocked from me as I slam to the ground on my chest. I struggle as he pulls me toward him, clawing at the sand to get away. Jasper raves like a madman. Just find the book, he said. Then your debt will be settled, he said. I'm not saving another year in this wretched shithole of a country. I'm a good pound sterlings for your hide, decky. And pay the debt to Lord Dunwich straight out. He reaches back for the white holster at his side, eyes wild with murder. His fingers wrap around the wooden grip of the pistol. If it's the last thing I... I jam the bayonet into his eye, glistening white goo, and a gush of red blood pouring down his cheek. He releases my ankles, covering his face in pain. I scramble away, snatching Samira's hand as I run past her. I hear Jasper rising from the tangle of netting. Hear him cock the flintlock mechanism and tense as I imagine him pointing it at our backs. Clicks harmlessly. No doubt its powder turned to mud by the seawater. Up, Jonesy. After him. If they tell the Maharaja what we attempted to do, and the Maharaja tells the Brigadier, we're done for. Did you know the creator of this podcast also publishes comic books? If you enjoy history, science fiction, and fantasy, then you should check out Chronospire. In a world of elves, orcs, and dwarves, an elven scientist invents a time-traveling tower to save her world's future, but accidentally resurrects a far deadlier evil from its past. Along the way, she'll encounter T-Rex-like prehistoric dragons, dark elf gunslingers, and orcs fighting in the trenches of a world war. Read along with a podcast dramatized exactly like the one you're listening to. Get your copy of Chronospire Volume 1 on Kindle, Comixology, iTunes, or in print at Amazon.com. Fireworks boom and crackle over Shanxi as we flee, bathing the streets in green, blue, and red light. Samira shoves past a celebrant, who spills a tray of sweets. Sorry. I glance over my shoulder as we run. Jasper and Jonesy are hot on our heels, shoving through the crowd to catch us. An old woman's walking stick clatters against the flagstone as she stumbles into a stall of produce, scattering mangoes across the street. An imam in a white crocheted cap flails as he crashes into a stack of cages, the three chickens filling the air with white feathers as they scatter. Samira deftly leaps over a short fence, and I follow quickly after her. The tamed elephants trumpet in alarm as we weave through their legs, like picking our way through a forest of grey tree trunks. At first, the soldiers seem deterred, 
but they quickly move around the stables to pursue us. What did you do to them, Dakar? Why were they trying to kill you? Well, at first, they were just going to flog me, they're purling without a license. But then I told them my name and... We duck as Jonesy fires his musket through the crowd. Screaming men and women scatter. Dakar, you owl! Why would you tell them who you are? Outside the palace walls! Away from its guards? Anonymity is your only defense? A name is a target? A place for your family's enemies to take it? Chunks of marble spray as a bullet ricochets off a nearby pillar. Samira pulls me through an entryway. Into the temple! My foot gets a platter of apples and bananas, scattering the fruit across the marble floor. Offerings litter the ground in front of the idols, each in its own compartment lining the temple walls. Shiva dances within a ring of flames. Brahma surveys the room with four bearded faces attached to a single head. Ganesh's trunk and tusks point toward the entryway. The forearm deity is flesh-toned, unlike the blue-skinned idol my mother hides from father in the women's quarters. Each of the compartments is stuffed with candles, flooding the temple with the celebratory light of Diwali. All save one empty compartment ahead of us, a gaping black hole ripped into the tapestry of light. There! We will hide in there! Go! Despite there being no offerings or candles in front of the compartment, I am able to vaguely discern a shape in the darkness. We huddle in its shadow, as I wonder why no Hindu had chosen to honor this particular deity. Jasper and Genzi barge into the temple, kicking off the Where did they go? A sheen of sweat glistens on Samira's brow. She holds me close as we huddle beneath the mysterious idol, and I can feel her heart pounding beside me. Jasper and Genzi spread out, prowling the room like a pair of tigers. Jasper steps near. We tense as his pistol sweeps past our compartment. I clench my teeth, ears ringing with my held breath. Jasper is hard to look at, his eyeball dangling down his cheek on a river of dried blood. He looks toward our dark compartment, squinting his one working eye. You in there, lad? He lifts his pistol as he cautiously steps forward. Sabira squeezes my hand, and I realize there is no escape. Jasper's face snaps away from us. We have to go. Can't let the captain catch us shooting through the marketplace. We can put in for a transfer to Calcutta first thing in the morning. Leave before the brigadier can question us, or the lad can identify us. Jasper gives the room one final look. Ah, shit, shit, shit! They leave. Samira and I release a simultaneous exhale. Her grip loosens, but she does not let go of my hand. That was close. My heart hasn't slowed, nor my anger subsided. A readiness to fight pumps through my veins, filling me with a jittery energy. Bastard! I should have stuck the bayonet in his heart. Samira sets a hand on my cheek, turning my face gently to hers. It is your heart I worry about, Dakar. She sets her hand on my chest. We must be like the true Guru, who harbors no hatred in him, who beholds God everywhere. Even in soldiers from the East India Company, we must forgive Dakar. 
We must fill our hearts with love. Hmm. It was easy for me to do that when she was holding my hand. Her words calm me, fill my chest with warmth. I take a slow breath through my nostrils. You're right. Let's head back to the palace. I can feel the dark root which had infected my heart begin to wither as we rise and walk away from the compartment. Samira smiles at me. Come on. I smile as I follow her. But the smile falters as something catches the corner of my eye. I look back at the idol. Its shape was difficult to discern in the gloom. At first I thought it was maybe Garuda, the eagle god, from its wings and human-like body. But were those tentacles coming from its face? As I stare at the idol, perplexed, trying to understand its anatomy, to discern its shape in the gloom, I feel as though it calls to me, to something in me. I set a hand on my chest. Samira's words had withered the root, and the dark seed my encounter with the company had planted in me remained. Waiting. My fingers are still sore from climbing the lattice outside of my bedroom window. They twinge as I button my fresh, knee-length jacket. I attempt to shake the soreness out of them, reaching for the spare potka in my closet. Standing before my mirror, I bind up my hair within its black cloth. My eyes drift to the velvet purse on my dresser, containing the pearl. The pearl I had gotten for her. I touch my cheek feeling the place where Samira had left a kiss before we had parted ways. The thought warms me from within. Now, if only she hadn't called me little brother afterwards. I finish binding my hair in the potka, sighing as I stare at my reflection in the mirror. It would be as if I never left. Mother and father will never know what happened tonight. You cannot take them, but with no arrangement. My heart begins to pound as I hear my father's voice downstairs, raised in argument. Father! The curled toes of my shoes click against the marble of the grand staircase as I descend into the lavish foyer. That's when the man in the red uniform, to whom my father was speaking, turned. His oily grin turns the blood in my veins to ice water. Young Prince de Care, I presume. Allow me to introduce myself. Lachlan Ensmith. Brigadier Lachlan Ensmith. Now, be a good lad and pack your things. You're taking your brother's place and finishing your education in London. Mobley Comics Audio.